On this week's episode, we apologize profusely for being a little bit late, but hopefully a story about one of the most influential players to never really step onto the field makes up for that. Oh. All right. This is Dead Ball Brothers. Welcome to Dead Ball Brothers, a weekly sometimes podcast about soccer and history with a healthy, healthy dose of stupidity. Weekly most of the time. Weekly most of the time. You might have noticed that this uh, particular episode is quite late, for which we apologize. That was a, a little scheduling snafu in which uh, myself and my wife were in Fredericksburg, Virginia, about three hours away from where we live, for the weekend for uh, some dear friends getting married. It was a beautiful wedding. Had a wonderful time. Did beautiful. a lot of dancing. Beautiful. Had a lot of um, had a lot of drinks that were free for me. Um, so all in all, very, very good wedding. And Drew. Yeah, I was a four-hour plane ride away in... Utah, uh, exploring the the Great American Lands, Zion National Park, and Bryce Canyon National Park. Um, both very beautiful places. Celebrating my one-year anniversary. Anniversary! With my wife. Yeah, it was, it was beautiful. It was an awesome time. Highly recommend going out there. Big if recommend. You get the op- if you get the opportunity to go out there, just do it. Um, Felt like we were on a different planet. It was it was nice. By the way, I am everyone's least favorite athletic writer, Adam Whitaker Snavely, joined as always by my real life brother, uh, Drew Snavely, um, fan of the EFL Cup giant killers, Manchester United, when we knocked off Rochdale in penalties uh, on Rochdale. Uh, on Wednesday, Rochdale. 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 Pretty sure Rochdale. Ugh, I said it like three times and I <laughs> still messed it up. I practice it so much. <laughs> well, anyways, we moved on. So yeah, take that. You were uh, you were captained by um, Axel. What's his face? Uh, Twanzebi. The guy who is captain Manchester United at like every single level. Yeah, that it he was can. it was his first um, his first time captaining the senior squad. And it was a cool story because he's from, uh, his parents, uh, immigrated to Rochdale. Yes. Rochdale. Rochdale. <laughs> Keep on saying it wrong. <laughs> I hate myself so much. <laughs> when uh, he was the healthy a, dose of stupidity part we take quite literally. <laughs> when he was a young lad and, uh, grew up there, but he didn't play for their academy. He played for Manchester United's academy. Like you said, he is captained every United squad. Up through the ranks and finally got to cap it all, cap it all off with a Captain Chip versus Rochdale. Way to go, kid. Yeah. Way to go, Axel. Has a lot of good uh, role models to look up to if you're growing up in Manchester United's academy. Obviously, a Manchester United fan. Some might say a red through and through. A red through and through. Marcus Rashford, Jesse Lingard. The good old boys. <laughs> the good old, a lot of a lot of people in Manchester Mason United Greenwood. squads. A lot of people. Uh, Daniel James, Paul Pogba. He was a Manchester yeah, Academy it, boy. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little different with Pogba these days. Well, uh, he was only gone because Alex Ferguson hated him. Yeah, and now he's back, and the fans still might I hate lo- him. I love you, Paul. I love you so much, Paul Pogba. If you're listening to this, please podcast, never leave. Please just never know leave. that Drew loves you. <laughs> I love you in all of your haircuts. 
in everything that you do in the beautiful game. So, <laughs> back to the regular scheduled podcast. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now on a new late day of the week. Uh, now 100% more uh, bourbon involved in the making of. We are, we are drinking some bourbon right now. Feeling pretty nice. Nicely done. Thank you, Bullet. Sponsor the podcast. Bullet, please sponsor us. It's got 31 five-star reviews. It's a Thursday. Pods usually drop on Tuesdays, so I think I can get it up tonight. Yeah, we'll try to we'll try to get it up tonight, and we'll advertise probably heavy on Friday when you will most likely be listening to this, and then next week we will get back to regularly scheduled podcasts. So really, this long wait is it might feel kind of like a bonus episode because you're getting two episodes in quick succession: one on Thursday, one on Tuesday. Uh, it's like Christmas. Extra dead ball brothers. Double the balls. Double the balls. <laughs> so stupid. Sorry. <laughs> but I'm laughing. Here we are. Here we are. Adam, you have a story for us I today. do. Drew. Maybe we should get into that. <laughs> okay, Drew. I'm glad I'm glad we talked about um, Axel. I'm glad we talked about Manchester yeah, United. Yeah, yeah, um, Because I think that Manchester United specifically is one of those clubs that historically have a lot of great players, not necessarily in terms of people that you think about when you think about the best players ever or the best players in the world necessarily, but people who are considered to be great leaders, Yeah, I think, constitute a lot of Manchester United legends. Yeah, I think that Manchester United had has had their fair share of superstars, but for the most part, the teams have been made up by um, essential like, role players yeah. that are just good leaders, and they buy into what Manchester United is all about. They bought into Manchester, uh, to Alex Ferguson's um, system, and they played their hearts out. Absolutely. So in the sense of... Maybe not necessarily the best players ever, but some of the most influential players ever. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I want you to begin thinking about that. Okay. In the realm of soccer, not necessarily the best players, but the players that you think influence the most people or perhaps even just influence you the most when you were playing and you were kind of growing up playing soccer a little bit. Yeah. Who comes to mind? I mean, as a Manchester United fan, Michael Carrick is like the first name that pops into my mind. I I played central midfield a ton growing up through through middle school, junior high, high school. Um and so he was just a guy who would always put his head down, worked hard, um great great at passing, great at uh, like at holding midfielder role, um but was always kind of the unsung hero, you know. Um he just did what he was asked of him and um now he's uh, an assistant manager at, at United. Yeah. Uh, st- he's still like a legend at United, but he's one of those guys like you were talking about um, who he was never a superstar, mm-hmm. um, but he was really, really good and he tried really, really hard and he set a really good example for the rest of yeah. the team. When people think about the best players of all time, they're not going to think about Michael Carrick. Yeah. No. However, he created, he kind of continued a legacy. And in a way, was very influential in his own way. Yeah. What if I told you that one of the most influential players of the modern era, perhaps the most influential player of the modern era, 
never actually physically stepped onto a grass field and played a real-life professional soccer game. If you told me that, I would be intrigued. So Well, good. And we hope that you are also are, are intrigued, you, listeners. Are you telling me that? Because is that... this is the truth. Wow. And okay. here is that story. Here is the story. 1978 World Cup. Ooh, great year. <laughs> mm, good vintage. Do you have any stats for 1978? Or... Um, I'm about to talk about it. Okay. I don't know if it counts as stats, but uh, we're, we're going to be there. What you did, just did with your laptop, super cool. I did not know that it folded like that. Yes, it does. Wow. Google Chrome uh, Smartbook, please sponsor us. Please sponsor us. Dead ball brothers. <laughs> if you're not a sponsor listening to this, rate us five stars. So <laughs> Argentina. This World Cup is known as one of the most controversial and dirty World Cups of all time. 78? 78. 78. All right. Argentina, 78, took place two years after a military coup in Argentina. And it's widely suspected that match-fixing and other less-than-legal forms of gamesmanship transpired in order to achieve Argentina the world's greatest prize, which they did. They won that World Cup. Oh, really? Yep. Wow. Um, the, the whole kind of concept behind it, I, I'm not going to use this because I'm just having to look down. Okay. Um, so we're switching to the phone real quick. But the whole concept behind that World Cup was that... Argentina's new government, which were questionable, definitely, they needed to project like a strong sense of unity and stability. And people, people actually like kind of compared this in a in a way to the things that like Hitler was doing with the Olympics and uh, other dictators and how they have used world sporting events to project like. Our country is the best, and I'm great. Can't you see this? Yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, one of the most controversial World Cups ever, and people, several people, don't consider Argentina's win legitimate, even. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, however, they don't deserve that Jules Rimet trophy. That Jules Rimet. <laughs> if you're a super fan of the pod, you'll know all about that Jules Rimet trophy. You know all about it. You know all about it. <laughs> but. We're not here to talk about that World Cup. Oh, okay. (laughs) We're here to talk about a man in Japan watching that World Cup for the first time on his television. Okay. This man's name was Yoichi Takahashi. And he was never a professional soccer player. In fact, uh, when he was in his late teens and 20s, which is when he was watching this World Cup, Japan didn't even have a professional soccer league. 1978 because if you were into sports in japan you were into baseball there were more traditional sports sumo has always been the national sport of japan um and also japan has you know participated in the olympics and the olympics is is popular in japan yeah yeah yeah. um but uh baseball was the thing and it's still massively popular in japan absolutely baseball is was definitely and probably still is the most popular sport there so, Yoichi wasn't a soccer player. He wasn't even really much of an athlete at all, though he did play baseball as Same. a younger child. Same. <laughs> Relatable content. <laughs> he was actually a cartoonist. Oh, okay. Nice. That just oh, had an interest yeah. in sports. 
I like where this is going. You know, you, you think you think you got where this is I going? I don't know where this is going, but okay. I like cartoonists. He had been toying around with an idea to make a manga series. Uh, manga being Japanese, a uh, genre of Japanese comics. Okay, I didn't know that, so yes. I'm glad that you said that. Yes, we, we will get to some of the most famous anime series of all... Actually, pretty much all the most famous anime series are based off of manga. Okay. Um... He had an idea to make a manga series about baseball for a while and had produced a couple stories that included baseball before. Uh, but around that time, he was uh, around the time that he was conceptualizing a manga series that centered around a protagonist that played a sport. The obvious choice was baseball, of course. But Takahashi happened to catch a couple games from the 1978 World Cup on his television, and he was intrigued by it. The crowds, obviously, all these countries gathering together just to play one sport. You can't beat it. It's, you know, it was kind of wild. Creme de la creme of sports. <laughs> obviously. The apex. The apex predator of sports. <laughs> so he began to research soccer. He tried to learn everything he could about it, and he became absorbed in its history and how global its popularity was. And he came to a fateful decision. His new manga would focus on a soccer soccer player, one that was only eleven years old. Eleven? I mean, his yeah, the main character was eleven. Oh, At but it's like a fictional character. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would be a decision that defined his career as an enduring Japanese manga artist and influenced countless players. That's awesome. In 1981, the first edition of Captain Tsubasa. Which I'm I pretty sure I'm saying that right, but I also don't know. I apologize f- for these Japanese. I'm gonna names. take a guess and say that you're wrong, just because you're not a native Japanese speaker. Probably. Yeah. Captain Tsubasa. But you're trying your best. I am really trying my hardest. <laughs> Takahashi's new manga ran in Weekly Shonen Jump, the best-selling and longest-running manga magazine in history. Uh, just for reference, the. Uh, the source manga for animes such as Dragon Ball, Naruto, yeah, One Piece, and some newer favorites like My Hero Academia and Hunter x Hunter all ran in Shonen Jump. Slash, some of them even still run in Shonen Jump. Okay, yeah. So this is an immensely popular magazine. It, Pokemon isn't Pokemon isn't in there. Um, you know, I don't know if Pokemon was originally a manga at all because Pokemon. Pokemon originally was just a game. Gotcha. gotcha. It was the game came first before everything else. Though well, the game and trading card series. Yeah. So okay, I'm not sure. Pokemon's just on my mind because I just watched Pokemon Pet Detective. Wow. Nice. It's a really dumb movie, but. <laughs> okay. Uh, it was fine. <laughs> so, 1981, Captain Tsubasa debuts yeah. in Weekly Shonen Jump. Now, the decision to write a manga that was all about soccer was definitely a risky one. Because it was so unpopular in Japan at the time that there was no guarantee people would even understand it or be interested in it at all. It was estimated that only 4% of Japan's population played soccer at the time. Okay. I mean, yeah, that makes sense. The entire series centered around the titular character, a, uh, a schoolboy named Tsubasa Uzora, wanting to take Japan to the World Cup. Japan had never played in the World Cup. (laughs) 
Again, Japan didn't even have a professional league. A young character having a seemingly impossible dream, but having the raw talent to make that dream eventually turn into reality is a very common manga theme. Yeah. Like, that's a very common thing that you see in a lot of mangas and animes and stuff. So this is the 80s in Japan. Yes. To this point, hasn't even played in the World Cup. That's no. crazy. Yes. But... Would audiences be able to connect to a dream when many of them had not much of an idea what the real-life context of the sport was? So, this isn't even like... This isn't even... Soccer is not very popular in the U.S. level. Yeah. This is like... If you were to debut a Sunday comic and the character was American and their dream was to win the Cricket World Cup. <laughs> like, that's the level of unpopularity yeah, that yeah, we're dealing with. Exactly. People know about soccer. Like, it's not completely foreign. They know about the game. It's just nobody is playing it. Yeah. So... so yeah, I don't care. This is pretty risky. Yeah. Like, the whole thing is, I have a character. He plays soccer. The whole comic is about soccer. His big dream and goal is to play in the World Cup, the the biggest event in soccer. And 4% of, the, of my population in my country, who is the only country that reads these mangas, at this point probably something, is playing soccer. And we don't have a professional league. Hey, you gotta shoot your shot. He definitely shot his shot. Um, it's also important to note that Captain Tsubasa... Wasn't the first manga to feature soccer in Japan. So there okay. had been a couple about a decade before. Um, because Japan did have one bronze medal in Olympic soccer. From the 1968 Olympics. And that caused a little interest to be raised in the country. Uh, and thus a couple manga were produced. Yeah. Like the titles Downtown Samurai and Red-Blooded Eleven. But the popularity spike turned out to be more of a blip. And... Not much in the way of soccer got going. An anomaly, some would say. Some might say. Captain Tsubasa wasn't even piggybacking off of like a national success. Yeah. Kind of thing. It was just thrown out there. Yeah, paving his own path. He was straight up just like, here's some soccer. Yeah, that's awesome. Hope you like it. That sort of thing. And people friggin' loved it. Well, that's good. I'm, I'm glad. I was, I was thinking that the story would turn this way. Yes. People have to love something for, for him to be the most influential. Well, his fictional character, I'm assuming, is the yes. most influential. Yes, Tsubasa. Yeah, Tsubasa. So, the manga and the subsequent anime series that the manga series was turned into featured all these very anime action sequences where... You know, people are, like, having a fight, and in the middle of the fight, in a space of time that lasts, like, you know, not even half a second type of thing. Yeah. They're having these, like, full paragraph soliloquies <laughs> that you just hear. Yeah, People are like, oh, what's running through their head? Well, it turns out it's an entire page of a book <laughs> as, as, you know, one punch is being thrown. That sort of thing. Um so they're doing that. Um, there's like impossible stunts and acrobatics yeah. and things that are happening. This for the, the this manga for Captain Tsubasa was all just translated to the soccer field. So here are some of my personal favorites, some some signature moments and techniques from the manga series. Okay, uh, the Tachibana the Tachibana Brothers goal, in which. 
there are these two brothers. They're actually playing against Captain Tsubasa. The Italians. They're not the Italians. Oh, they're okay. also Japanese. Oh, they're also Japanese. Okay. In which one brother kicks the ball high into the air, which his brother parkours off the goalpost to fly into the air to meet, and he heads it back down to the first brother who volleys it into the goal. Uh, there is the razor shot in which the shooter draws his foot back farther behind his head than a, head than a figure skater. Okay. And then hits a, like a bending S-curve shot that puts Roberto Carlos to shame and in some cases lights the ball on fire. Oh, wow. Yeah. I'm sure there's some like physics pendulum swinging kind of storyline there. Obviously. We don't have to go there. The twin shot. The twin shot. Where two players volley the ball at the same exact moment. Ah, uh, the ultimate shot. <laughs> <laughs> one with his right foot and one with his left foot. Yes. So you, so you both get as much space as you can. An insane knuckle. That's, yeah. That's honestly well, that's, what happens. That's what it does in, in the manga series. Yeah. It, it's like a like supernatural ball knuckle movement. Yeah. That um, makes complete sense. The physics checks out there. And my, my personal favorite, something that I didn't, actually find the exact name of but i call it the reverse bicycle there's this there's this one there's this one episode where it's kind of like last couple seconds of the game yeah captain tsubasa is like running he's running to the to the into the box and his midfielder crosses the ball and he realizes that he's going to be just behind the ball he's not going to meet it in time and so he throws himself forward parallel to the ground he plants his hands on the ground does a forward handspring and as he's completing like the front flip part of the forward handspring he brings his heel down like it's an axe kick in this arc and the back of his heel connects with the with the cross just boom pummels it into the goal you know i don't think that's totally um unfeasible i i think I mean, you could definitely do it. If you practice it enough, it could be a thing for sure. Uh, but in, um, it's it's certainly not the most efficient way. Yeah. But it's possible in a way that parkouring off the goalpost is Yeah, not. you're not going to like <laughs> parkour off a goalpost in, in a, an actual game. But something like that, I mean, if, if the striker's hungry enough... <laughs> If they want it enough. If they want it enough. If they've got the grit. They can do it. They can do anything (laughs) they put their mind to. So these are just a couple of examples of of the type of of stuff that was happening. Yeah, it's sweet. Spectacular acrobatics and unheard of goals were Takahashi's specialty. And the public just ate it up. Yes. Like a ton of sushi rolls. Oh my gosh. I hate it here. (laughs) Fine, they eat sushi. They eat a lot of sushi. I know. I I eat a lot of sushi. It's delicious. It's not a fault by any means. Okay. All right. It just feels like we're leaning too hard into the stereotype at that point. Uh, Okay. Yeah, you're right. That's probably probably too far. I'm sorry. Sorry, all of you. Captain Tsubasa ran several series in Weekly Shonen Jump. The first series ran for seven years, from 1981 to 1988. Uh, But new series and spinoffs cropped up, each of them lasting, like, so anywhere between like two to four years in 1994, 2001, and 2010. 
to give you an idea of the scale of the people reading this comic, the New York Times has a weekend circulation of around 2 million. Um, like, so that's paid, we pay for the New York Times, and 2 million newspapers goes out. Yeah. And if you figure maybe one person, maybe up to two or three people per that household gets to actually read that, uh, that's how many people are reading the New York Times, which is one of the, you know, the biggest yeah. newspapers in the world. Yeah. Uh, Weekly Shonen Jump in 1995 at Shonen Jump's peak while they were running uh, a Captain Tsubasa series, one of the... Like the, I think it was technically the second series. Okay. Uh, alongside a little comic named Dragon Ball. Oh. Had a circulation of more than six million. Wow, that's a lot of people. It is. It's literally three times more. That's that's a ton of people. Yep. Ultimately, the manga spawned fifteen different manga series, six anime series, four feature length movies, and fourteen different video games. That's like the dream with Deadball Brothers. Is that we inspire all this? That we can get to that that I, space. I want a podcast breaking down our podcast. Yes, yes, a commentary that, podcast of us. That would be that would be ideal. I'll drink to that. I'll drink to that as well. And I don't think it's that unfeasible. I keep on saying unfeasible. Is that a word? infeasible mm, un, un, i think just not feasible it's not feasible yeah i'm an idiot we both are well me more so but that's what the th- words mean at the bottom of our logo yes if you haven't figured that out by now do a soul tie means two i think it technically means like two fools yeah two idiots something like that we accept either um bash i never took latin so no, because it wasn't offered at our high school it wasn't unfortunately the Latin teacher died literally the year before I got into high school. I wasn't going to go there, but you did, so And they never replaced are. her. Yeah. Which brings new meaning to the fact that it's a dead language, I guess. R.I.P. <laughs> Latin and, uh, I don't know. I, I don't remember. Name, I don't honestly. remember her name. Ah, that feels terrible now. I don't remember it. Anyway, those manga <laughs> series are very important because of who was reading them. And eventually... Who's watching them? We have a little housekeeping to take care of before we get back to the second section of Adam's story. Mm, quite. So, in this little segment, I want to give a little shout out to a, a team name in our FPL league, WTFPL. WTFPL. Deadball Brothers presents. The most prestigious, non-prestigious FPL league that there is. Yes. Um, we have a guy in our league by the name of Alex Bush. Um, not doing too hot. He's kind of in the middle. 27th. He's beating me. He's beating you. Therefore, he's doing well. Adam, you're in 36th place. Hey, I moved up a and couple spots And you moved up. I know. <laughs> I know. Which isn't good. No, it's bad. Oh, man. But anyways, Alex... Um, his team name is AWB Broke My Heart. AWB, of course, stands for Aaron Juan Bissaka. I'm guessing that Alex is a huge Crystal Palace fan, and I'd like to apologize to Alex for him for for Aaron Juan Bissaka um, switching to the dark side, coming to Manchester United. 
but I'm so, so thankful that he is with us. I would also like to apologize to Alex for being a Crystal Palace fan, because, woof, rough life, bro. You got to respect it, though. I, I mean, I do respect it. I'm a Bills fan. Yeah, well, <laughs> hey, Bills are 3-0. No, so Bills are 3-0, no, baby. You can't, you can't say anything. The fact is the Bills are on pace for a 19-0 season. Yes, we are winning the Super Bowl this year. Obviously. Those are the facts. Big facts. Uh, we also like to read some listener reviews in this little housekeeping segment of the podcast. Uh, this one is a five-star review titled, How Many Times Can They Mention That Their Mother Is Brazilian? <laughs> Which, now that I think about it, we have done quite a bit. I think mostly because we had it in our heads that we are a new podcast, but we're already on like our 13th episode or something. 13. This is the lucky 13th. This is episode number 13, which is crazy to think about. I kind of wish we were recording on Friday. Uh, Friday the 13th. Well, darn. Darn is right. <laughs> Anyways, um, this review comes from Liv Easton. Our who sweet, is our sister? Sweet sister. Who is the dead ball sister? Dead ball sister. We have talked briefly about Luke, and now we, for the first time, I believe. First time have revealed there is also a dead Paul's sister. Only because she reviewed us. Only because she reviewed us. I mean, she's not into soccer like the rest of us are into soccer. But she is way smarter than both of us. Yes. So uh, She attends a prestigious school that we won't name because we don't want to dox her. But We don't? Man. Nah. I feel like we should flex on everybody. But all right, we'll keep it in mystery then, I guess. Yeah, she goes to a school that is prestigious. Um, and we did not. <laughs> we definitely did not. We went to like the opposite of that. But that's okay. <laughs> and Olivia writes, while their banter suggests they share one brain cell between them, their research and storytelling are spot on, indicating at least one brain cell apiece. Much respect for their efforts and products of these two brain cells, as well as the theme music, which slaps. You know that she is our sister. She's definitely, like, the when she said that it slaps. It's like the epitome of backhanded compliment. The, but the family genes are strong. So strong. And the theme music slaps. And it slaps so, so hard. Thank you, Olivia, for the five-star rating for the review. If you are listening to this and would like to leave a review, please do. It really helps us get seen and more people hear the podcast. Uh, but for now, speaking of that theme music with slaps... Why don't you play that out? We can finish this story right up. All righty. Adam, we are back. We're so back. You left us on a cliffhanger? Kind of, a little bit. A little bit of a cliffhanger. With a little taste. A little taste. A little taste of the glory. We're still working on it. See still what it tastes like. Working out the cakes. I think, I think we've gotten better. I, I will say, I, and, I, and I said this uh, on Twitter a couple days ago because I caught up on uh, Miscellaneous FC, or Mish FC, as they call it, call it yes. uh, with uh, Jason Davis and Peter P.A. And in their last episode, which was like the first week of September, last weekend of August or something like that, they actually gave us a shout out. Thank you so much. Super dope. So we're, we're painting the favor. Yeah, we're, we're making it. Check out Miss FC. <laughs> Mish FC. <laughs> Uh, which is actually a very fun podcast. Stands for miscellaneous. It does. For those of you who are unaware. They call their listeners missionistas. Oh. I don't know what we call our listeners yet. Oh, man. We'll have to think about that. We'll brainstorm. The dead ball cousins. 
Uh, it makes it a little culty when we try to keep the... Yeah, I I think we just need something that flows a little bit better. We do. So Definitely. We'll think about it, we'll brainstorm, we'll get back to you guys on this. But, all in all, I think that we have gotten better at the podcast thing. Hopefully. I think that our structure is better, and I think that we've gotten better at talking about our stories. And speaking of which, the story. When last we left our intrepid hero. So, Yoinichi Takahashi... Extremely popular. Has a mega popular manga and anime series, video games, everything. He has become one of Japan's most popular comic artists. But, even in the late 80s, Japan still doesn't have a professional soccer league. They don't have like a... They, a, have, a, they have a league. It is an amateur league. Do, like they have semi-pro. a team? They have, I mean, they, they have They have teams. like a national team? They, they have national teams, okay. but it's not... Good. It's guys that are going out of the country to play. Kind of. For the most okay. for, for the I guess, yes, for the most part, but but they without an, an at home professional league, it's just hard to generate talent. Yeah. However, the people that are reading the Captain Tsubasa manga and watching the anime and stuff like that turn out to be some very important people. Okay. One of these readers was Hidetoshi Nakata. Now, Nakata played in his playing career from 1995 to 2006 for Roma, Parma, Fiorentina, and Bolton Wanderers, amongst others. He really had the the Italian trifecta. He did. Trifecta. Actually, he also played for Bologna, I'm pretty sure. Uh, So he he bounced around Serie A for quite some time. Um, He was also capped 77 times for the Japanese national team and is considered among the greatest Japanese players to ever play. But he was not a soccer fan as a child. And in fact, he still isn't really a soccer fan. Really? (laughs) He once publicly stated that he doesn't watch soccer at home, and he still doesn't watch soccer at home. And, And I quote, I don't understand why people are soccer fans. What? It's kind of like... um, Connor Casey, who is a former U.S. men's national teamer, he was the interim coach for the Rapids for a few months this season. Uh-huh. And he said, like, as early as, like, last year or a couple years ago that he never watched soccer because it didn't interest him. Uh, <laughs> he was coaching a professional soccer team. What the heck? Team, right? So, so weird. Nakata said that. However, Nakata was an avid reader of Captain Sabasa, And when he was a kid... He would often try to recreate the impossible goals that Tsubasa kept scoring in the comic books and on television. Japan finally opened its first fully professional league in 1993, the J-League. Twelve years after the first appearance of Captain Tsubasa. Nice. The manga was not the only reason that Japan started a professional league, and the country soon began bidding for the World Cup. And there was a few different things that kind of, uh, like, conf. There was a conflux, which is a word, of events that occurred. A word I've never heard of before. but Conflux. Conflux. Um, actually, the other soccer history podcast. Yes. Sideline Tackle. Sideline Tackle. Leslie Gideon just did a whole thing. It wasn't about Captain Tsubasa, but it was about soccer in Japan. And there are, were a few things that kind of came together um, at the same time, which really helped soccer in the country. Japan started bidding 
for World Cup, which is another reason that they started a professional league and they actually successfully co-hosted the World Cup with South Korea in 2002. Nice. That's pretty recent. Yes. Only 17 years ago. But it's difficult to overstate, and I everywhere I looked and researched and, and read about this, everybody said this, it's difficult to overstate just how much of an effect and like positive reinforcement Captain Tsubasa had on Japanese soccer. The readers in the manga were just entering their athletic primes when the first professional leagues began. Okay. Like, yeah. think about that. The, the manga is geared towards young children, early teenagers. These are the people that are reading this and yeah. are seeing this. And, and people of all ages of Japan read manga. But, it, I mean, it's a series about an 11-year-old boy. This is geared in a lot of ways towards, towards kids and a younger audience. Yeah. And those people, you know, add 12 years – those are the people that are, going to be make, that are going to be making up professional teams. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, in a way, Captain Tsubasa was the origin story of a generation's interest in the game. In 1998, Japan succeeded in qualifying for its very first World Cup. Wow. In 2011, Japanese woman won the whole thing. Yeah. Crazy penalty shootout. Still mad about it. But <laughs> Still upset about it, but I guess they deserved I it. I guess they deserved it. It's whatever. Uh, you know, whatever. <clears throat> so, very, very important in Japan. The manga, the manga was super popular in Japan. However, another thing that was super popular in Japan was the anime TV series that it inspired. Yeah. But it was that anime series, the television, was also super popular everywhere else. Okay. Versions of Captain Tsubasa were dubbed in just about every language you can think of and shown across the world. There was an English version with American voice actors. There were several European versions, most named some version of Oliver and Benji. Uh, Tsubasa became Oliver in a lot of these different versions. I don't know why. Weird. I don't know how. Yeah. Um, like, you're Oliver now. Yes. <laughs> and the people, I mean, it's like, it, it's it's like the you know like the English, the English versions of Japanese anime. For example, Pokemon. In the fir- in the very first season of Pokemon, there's this point in time where uh, Ash has like his lunch packed, and a Pokemon steals it, and it's clearly sushi. It just clearly is. Yeah. It's, you see the rice, you see the little seaweed wrap around yeah. it. And for whatever reason, I guess because they just assume that sushi <laughs> wouldn't connect if, if they said that. Like, oh, they're eating sushi kind of thing with American audiences when they did the American dub. They keep calling it donuts. What? They're like, no, give me my donut back. And it's so clearly not a donut and it's definitely sushi. It's very, very funny to watch. Anyway... That's how, I mean, like, that, yeah. that's sometimes yeah. they do that. They're like, oh, nobody's going to watch a cartoon with the, the the main character's name is Tupasa. Let's name him Oliver. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guarantee that the, the situation was something close to that. <laughs> uh, I lost my place here. Here it is. Uh, and the people who loved to watch the cartoon turned out to be pretty big friggin' deals. 
Okay. So here's are, where I'm going to start naming names. Who are the big freaking deals? I have a couple names in my head. Being a Manchester United fan, there have been a couple big Japanese players for us. So I'm curious to the people that you're going to say right now. I am not going to say any Japanese players right now. Ah, dang it. One of the most notable super fans of Captain Tsubasa, Fernando Torres. Wow, okay. Another huge super fan, Alessandro Del Piero. Loved it. And for a while, used a social media picture of himself that was drawn by Yoichi Takahashi because he included him in one of the more recent... Captain Tsubasa animes. That's super dope to be as good as you can be at soccer and then to get the illustrator of your favorite comic to be like, yo, you should, uh, you should include me in a comic one, one of these times and draw me. He did. He had like, um, there was one that he did in like 2014 that he had like Messi and Ronaldo in it. Wow. Like keeping it relevant. He's, he's, he's had several actual players in some of the later, versions of the manga because in the later versions of the manga captain Tsubasa actually goes and becomes a part of the japanese national team and goes to the world cup and, and yeah how stuff. old is captain Tsubasa now i mean he's gotta be <laughs> is he still playing <laughs> <laughs> it's to, again to reference pokemon it's like how ash never turns like yeah yeah nobody ever ages in anime <laughs> other people zinedine zidane terry Henry. General Gattuso, extremely popular in Italy, extremely popular in Spain, very popular in France. Never heard of those guys. <laughs> there was also an extremely popular Spanish dub in South America called Super Campeones, a.k.a. Super Champions. Yeah. Which inspired stars like Jaime Rodriguez. And I'm going to talk about a Manchester United player, maybe not star, but player, Alexis Sanchez. Ah, well, he's definitely a star for like Arsenal. Uh, At one point in time. At one point in time, and And then the star for Barcelona, Henrik Mkhitaryan. We traded him. We traded Henrik Mkhitaryan to the Gunners for Alexis Sanchez, and he hasn't really done much for us. Hasn't really done much. Anyways, anywho, Alexis Sanchez was known to have an entire, like, a complete Tsubasa collection of manga and anime. That's not surprising because a lot of reports say that he's a loner and he doesn't hang out with anybody except for his dogs. Which his dogs are treasures. His dogs look really, really cute and I don't blame him. But also I feel like human interaction, especially with your teammates, is pretty pretty key to the squad chemistry. Indeed. But I I just thought this is very interesting that there was a mega popular South American – make of this and and there are are stories of people that are like everybody in school is talking about this soccer cartoon and we couldn't get the signal very well it was kind of fuzzy but i was watching it all the time because this player was so good um a japanese cartoon that was inspired by a south american world cup in 1978 inspired some of the greatest south american players of our time it is crazy it is really cool now, the popularity and importance of the Captain Tsubasa series in Japan is so revered that when Tokyo was bidding for the two, for, to host the 2016 Summer Olympics, and there were rival cities that were also bidding, obviously Rio de Janeiro eventually won, yeah. um, and also Madrid was bidding at the time, 
both of them had former soccer players as part of the kind of recruiting bid. The group, yeah. To kind of show the bona fide of soccer, obviously a very popular sport, even if it's not as big in the Olympics because it's a U23 tournament and there are weird, weird rules. Um, it's not an official FIFA-sanctioned tournament. Um, but they Madrid had Raul. Madrid, uh, Real Madrid, Raul. I'm yeah, assuming yeah. you... Okay. No, yeah, I know. You just, I thought you were stumbling on the no, name. No. I'm sorry that I was just kind of staring at Left you. Left me right hanging there. a little bit. That's no, fine. it's my bad. That's my bad. Real Madrid <laughs> legend Raul. Yeah. Rio de Janeiro had Pele to campaign for them yeah. and show off their legitimacy in soccer. The Japanese delegation <laughs> recruited Yoichi Takahashi. You're like, yo, we got, we got this guy. To do the same for them yeah. because it was so popular. When Japan beat Colombia in the 2018 World Cup... Takahashi claimed that they used the birdcage, which is which was a defensive tactic that he had come up with and featured in the manga series. Honestly, maybe maybe he did. Maybe was, they did. I, maybe they did. It was it was a specifically a tactic that a rival team used against Tsupasa to shut him down. You want to know my favorite thing about the 2018 World Cup in Japan? Yes. Um. It's not when Belgium came back and, and beat them in the group stage. That was that was a crazy game. That was a crazy game and kind of terrible. Um, and a devastating counterattack by Belgium. But Romelu Lukaku was so yes, good. Yes, okay, he was so good. That's fine. We're not talking about but that. But we're not talking about that right now. What we were talking about is how the Japanese head coach said that in training, he... Oh, wait, no. Oh, man, this is going to sound really bad. It was actually the South Korean head coach that was like we give we um we change the numbers for the guy for for our guys in training i do because nobody like everybody just assumes that like uh, north koreans just look the same and so south koreans south yeah south koreans 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 look the same and so they would change bibs and so if anybody was looking japan in japan did not do that japan that did not was do not that a japanese thing. and i think that might come across as a little insensitive that is a little bit i mean yeah. you confused it it was but it i was corrected an it mistake i corrected it yes so i think it's okay hopefully sorry about that that was not intentional no it was not at all i'm an idiot <laughs> i think that it was stated before anyway it's also possibly created some something of a problem with Japanese players. Think of every Japanese player that you can name. Don't name them right now, but just think of them in your head. Okay. How many of those players are attacking midfielders or forwards that play like attacking midfielders? I, uh, two out of the three. Ta-da. <laughs> So, um, I mean, I guess, I guess three out of four now, another one just popped into my, to my head. Mm-hmm. Here's, um, Shinji Kagawa. Obviously. Obviously. Um, Park Ji Sung. Yep. Played for Manchester United. Um, no, 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 no. He's, he's Korean, my dude. Oh, he's Korean? Yes. Oh, oh there I go again. Once again. <laughs> this is really rough. Um, well... Uh, Mayu Shida is 100% Japanese. Yes. And he is a defender. That's true. You are correct. Um, Honda, who played for... Uh, Honda. Yeah. Several teams, including he, he played in Liga he, MX. He, he, he played, played in, in Mexico Ru- for he a played long time. He played in Russia for a long time. He played he with like AC a, Milan. 
using a center attacking. Yep, attacking another center attacking yeah. midfielder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, now, Tupasa's style of play was mostly modeled after Diego Maradona. Okay, yeah. And now... The cokehead. Yes. <laughs> that dumb Argentinian cokehead. Okay, all right. Whoa, whoa. All right. Okay. Are, are we going to pretend that Diego Maradona's a good guy? No. Are we going to sit okay. here and pretend he's a good guy? <laughs> Seriously, are we, are we going to do that right now? <laughs> Come on. Ooh. Okay, all right. <laughs> you got me. You got me on that one. I don't have anything to say about it. Um... Now Japan has an abundance of attacking midfielders. Some might say far too many, including Kaisuke Honda, Shinji, Kaga- Shinji Kagawa, Shinji Okazaki. Yeah. Another one, yeah. just to name a few. Uh, the most famous player on Japan's 2011 women's team, Homari Sawa. Get another attacking midfielder. There are so many people that are playing attacking midfield that it's you like it might be a detriment to the team. <laughs> I don't know, man. Offense is the best defense. That's what they That's, say. I guess they say they they <laughs> definitely say that. They definitely change it up, though. Uh-huh. Some people say defense is the best offense. Some say, some say offense is the best defense. Who really knows? Takahashi has generally been modest about how much influence Captain Tsubasa has had on Japan and the world's game. He once said, when told uh, when told by an interviewer from Japanese magazine Nippon that Tsubasa had caused a boom of interest in the sport and accelerated its emergence in Japan that, and I quote, I think it isn't so much the influence of Captain Tsubasa as it is the appeal of soccer itself that has led to the wide acceptance that the sport enjoys today. But I'm grateful that people say so, and it honestly pleases me to think that I may have been able to give a boost to Japanese soccer to some degree. However... Today, the J-League in Japan is one of the most popular professional leagues in Asia and even the world, clearly closing the gap between baseball and everything else in Japan. The Japanese women are one-time World Cup champions, and the men's side is now a perennial powerhouse in Asia, demanding respect on the international stage as they showcased yeah. in the 2018 World Cup, advancing out of the group stage, and quite nearly taking down Belgium in the round yeah. of 16. Oh, so close. In pro- that was probably, that was probably the best game of the World Cup. That was round. That was round of sixteen. Yeah, because Belgium then uh, beat Brazil in the quarterfinals. Remember? You yeah. Mad emo about it. Yeah. No. I, I mean, I remember that. I yeah. just. It was round of sixteen. Because yeah. Belgium uh, beat Japan in that game round of sixteen, and then they beat Brazil, and then yeah. they lost to France in the semifinals. Man, crazy. Um, oh. hello, dog. There's a dog barking outside right now. Nice. It's fine. moreover moreover Japanese fans are renowned as some of the best in the world known for their incredible choreographies and unity and their singing and chanting as well as their politeness and good behavior in the stands Uh, one of the stories that always follows them whenever they're at a big uh, major event because I remember this happening in 2014 in Brazil and in 2018 in Russia um, that Japanese fans always clean up after themselves. Yes. Like, yes. They, whenever they, they have their section in the stands, as they're leaving, if they all make sweeps and pick up their trash and make sure that it's clean, everybody always loves playing Japan because the Japanese fans are so good. If if every other country's fans, every other team's fans were, like, a fraction of what 
the Japanese fans are like, just so respectful and kind, um, but also create a great atmosphere. Yeah. I mean, oh, man. Totally. Soccer would be, I mean, it already is amazing. But <laughs> We really like soccer. Yeah, we really love soccer, but, I mean, it'd be creme de la creme. I mean, it is creme de la creme, but it would be the creme de la creme of, of the, the creme, creme de, de la creme. creme. Yeah, I'm glad you were there with me. I think it's fair to say that maybe none of that happens if something doesn't spark interest in the sport in Japan. And Captain Tsubasa definitely did that. Yeah. And soccer in Japan, as well as the entire world, really was never the same. We might not have ever had a Zindin Zidane or Fernando Torres. <clears throat> Fernando, don't score us. <laughs> okay, oh, that's not fair. <laughs> that's not fair. Yeah. No, no. But I Entire mean, career looking at, that's the, definitely not fair. The point of the story is the influence on Japanese soccer, even though it had a much wider reach to yes. the rest of the world. I think, um, I think, and you know, like, I think if Captain Tsubasa doesn't exist... I th- I doesn't think that doesn't mean that we like I don't think that means we don't get Thierry Henry or General Gattuso or these people that were growing up in places where soccer was already immensely popular like yeah. I don't think that necessarily caused them to play soccer or pick it up and become the players that they were but it clearly did have an impact on them it was one of their favorite things to that many of them it was one of their favorite things to watch yeah they. There's several stories of these players that are just like, yeah, as a kid, I wouldn't, would go out and try to copy the goals. Like, I would try to do these impossible shots and stuff. Yeah. And in Japan, it's even, like, more blatantly tangible of players who are like, yeah, I didn't like soccer. I didn't really know much about it, but I read this series and I started playing it because of it. Yeah. So That's cool. wild. It, it is really cool. Like, oh, hey, um, soccer actually can pay the bills if I'm pay- playing for Roma. Yeah, and easy. <laughs> even if I don't like soccer. Even if I'm playing for Bol- Bolton Wanderers, s- still paying the bills. <laughs> Which Bolton Wanderers are not currently paying. Oh, yeah. I mean, they, right. they, they, got a, they got an extension to finish yeah. the sale. I think they're, they're going to make it. Burry FC. Burry's yeah, Burry, Burry's yeah. Burry got got. R.I.P. So sad. Uh, but yeah, that's the story of how a player that never physically touched any sort of grass, even though he did in the cartoon. He touched a lot of grass. He touched a lot of grass. So much grass. Some might say all the grass that he possibly could. A little too much grass, some might say. All right, take it easy. Okay. <laughs> take it easy there, bucko. Well, that's awesome. That That is really cool. It, it really was like an uncharted territory for yeah. dead ball bros. I told Drew's asking, like, oh, what's what's this one about? And I'm kind of like, well, I, I think this is definitely something way different than we've done before. It's not a crime one. It's not a, like, just a very violent game one. Uh, it's not necessarily, like, an invention one, which we've done yeah. at least one of. So... That was, I think I think it was I don't know it was a fun one I was like oh I can do this and I'm sure Captain Tsubasa is is known like I'm sure that plenty yeah. of people when we started talking about this knew at least a bunch of the things that I talked about and stopped listening 40 minutes ago yeah absolutely yeah, probably um but maybe if they're some of our favorite favorite people and we love them very much that we love so much continue to listen just for our delightful banter <laughs> hopefully that's the idea that's the goal. So that's oh, that's the story of uh, Yuichi Takahashi and Captain Tsubasa around the awesome. world. 
and Super Campeones and Oliver and Benji. <laughs> As always, uh, you can follow us at Deadball Pod on Twitter and Instagram, Facebook. You can find us at Deadball Brothers Gmail, uh, DeadballPod at gmail.com. If you want to ask us questions or do whatever, we're realistically this would be this would be cool. This would be fun. Is if we could do like just a listener question episode. Like if enough people gave us questions to do like an episode that was just kind of like we researched some mini history stories. That would be cool. That'd be fun. Yeah, um, a Q and A episode. That'd be that'd be pretty sweet. Yeah. Or if they just want to know more about us and talk about our lives, uh, we could do that too. Yeah. Definitely. Um, so you can reach us there. As always, I know we talked about this in the middle section, but as always, it's a big, big old help for us if you rate us and review us on whatever you are listening to us on, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever. Apple Podcasts is nice just because that's where most pe- podcatchers pull from. They uh, st- stock up from the Apple Podcast list just because that's the biggest one. Um, but pushes you, us straight to the top to the stratosphere. That's where we're trying to go. So if you leave us a rating, if you leave us a review, that helps a lot. If you give us a follow or retweet an episode or whatever, that helps a lot. Um, and, uh, it helps build a little, a little something of community, which, which we got going on a little bit. Absolutely love community, which is pretty cool because yeah. we didn't necessarily think that that would happen and yeah. it's already happening. So 13 yeah. episodes in. Thank you guys so much for listening and interacting with us, um, being on this journey with us. A little old journey through history. The little J word. I threw out the J word. You did. Here we are. Here we are. Don't stop <laughs> All right. Well, it's that time of the pod. Don't Adam is singing. So we need to end this right now. <laughs> As always, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Um, and we will see you in a few days. Uh, bye bye. <laughs>